here, Natalie from One Life to Live, and you are listening to the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast coming to you live from Genoa City, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, she's writer, producer, actor. You may know her best from One Life to Live. Ladies and gentlemen, finally on the podcast, Melissa Archer. Melissa, welcome finally. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, I am. I'm doing great. Thank you. You know, I'm sure a lot of your fans, especially from the soap world, wants to know what's going on with you. So, how has quarantine life been like for you? Uh, quarantine life was, you know, it was interesting. I think for um, a little while, I was kind of like, I don't know, I was, I was enjoying it actually. I think, um, especially just because I felt like, in, in some sense, it made me feel like everyone had to just sit still for a second mm-hmm. and it was kind of nice to have or feel like the world was sitting still for a second um but then uh you know after after so long of it you know it does you start to get a little cabin feverish <laughs> so, um i was grateful for the few things i could do outside and um you know i made i think i made pretty good use of the of the the downtime so yeah um did you had a hard time getting toilet paper and hand sanitizer uh, no, I think, I think we did okay. I mean, I think it was just really that first initial, uh, rush that everybody had, but I mean, we were all right. Um, and then I think after that, they, they, they did a pretty good job. I think of the stores keeping it where, um, you know, I think everyone was limited to a certain amount. So they, they, they were able to kind of, um, distribute it evenly or it felt so, it felt like it. Yeah, I know a lot of people in quarantine. They found out they had a hidden talent, or they did something they normally wouldn't do. Did that happen in your case? Mm, that's a really great question. <laughs> <laughs> did that happen? Um, well, um, it's funny. Like I, I learned something new recently, but it wasn't during quarantine. So I guess no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the. <laughs> Quarantine. <laughs> no, no, but the thing is, that's totally fine because, like, I realize during quarantine for myself, like, I really have a lot of patience. Like, you know, I was out of work for a while, and I just realized that, you know, you you make the most of time is what you make of it. So, you know, I always like had something planned out. It was nothing ex- luxurious or nothing like that. But like, all right, I'm going to take my daughter bike riding today. Then I'm going to do this today. As normally, I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like doing nothing because I got to go to work the next next day. But I pretty much had everything planned out during the week. So I was like, whoa, I guess I'm I could be sort of a planner if an apocalypse happened. Uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like in maybe those cases, um, I definitely. I did a lot more, um, I guess like just things I hadn't really done in a long time. Like I've, I've hiked before, but I started doing it more frequently and, um, you know, just kind of getting back in touch with nature. So it wasn't necessarily something new, but it was like getting back into that, that, that space. 
I think that was probably the only difference. And actually, I think I started meditating more during that time. So I guess that's probably like, because I'm not, I don't find myself to always be a very great meditator. Um, (laughs) Because I'm that person who like literally can't stay focused on the meditation long enough to make it work. (laughs) I don't, the thing is, I I equate meditation to reading the Bible. It's like, you can't like, if if you're going to read the Bible, you can't really be distracted. Well, like, how do you not get distracted when you meditate? I don't know. For me, it's like, it's really hard. Um, if it's, if I'm, if I'm having to, if I don't have, like, I think reading is easier, right? Like I yeah. get lost, in, but like, if I'm just sitting there, you know, with a breathing exercise, I'm either going to fall asleep or <laughs> my mind going to start to wander. And I'm thinking about like 15 other things I need to do. And I'm like, Oh, I was supposed to be relaxing. Oops. Uh, you know? Yeah. Like, um, but there's so many different kinds of meditation. So I did learn a lot of those and, and I was able to start kind of, you know, uh, applying some and, and getting a little further in the process. Uh, I wouldn't say I've, I've made it to any sort of um, miraculous uh, meditation state, but uh, hey, it's a start. Everyone's got to start. Yeah. I'm going to ask you back in the day soap opera question, but um, what is the biggest lesson you learned from your time at One Life to Live? had a lot of lessons during that time. <laughs> the biggest, I don't know. Um, I think looking back, what I would probably, um, you know, tell my younger self is to, you know, relax a little bit more and uh, enjoy the process versus, um, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, when you're doing something on a day-to-day basis versus, um, like for, for instance, with an actor who books a show and they, maybe they book an episode on a show, it's really exciting and it's only a one day thing. So it's, it's, it remains in that new space because you're only on there for one day. But if it's something you're doing every day, eventually it becomes just kind of a uh, part of your your day-to-day experience, like any job, any, anything. And so sometimes it's easy to fall into that, that place of, um, I don't know, I wouldn't call it complacency, but more, um, the pattern of, oh, um, this is annoying me or this is upsetting me or this is stressing me out and taking in a little bit too much and, um, and forgetting those moments of being like, oh my gosh, I'm actually doing my dream right now. <laughs> like I, I'm getting paid to yeah. play and do the things that I always, that, that I just like doing, you know? And I think that's, that's something, um, I, I try to remind myself now and it's so hard, uh, to just take that moment, but to like actually go, no, this is actually, you need to drink this in for a second. Um, because I think if you don't, you look back and you think, that went by so fast, even though for me it was, you know, 10, 11 years on that show. And I, and I can, I mean, it feels like it went by in a flash. Yeah, it's crazy because, you know, I'm sure I don't know if you hate or you love people saying, oh, my God, you've been a part of my life my whole time, like watching TV, because like my mother deprived me as a child. Instead of watching Woody Woodpecker and Chili Willie, I was watching pretty much Days of Our Lives, General Hospital and like One Life to Live. So like I'm one of those rare Especially for New York, who lives in the Upper East Side, it's kind of weird for a guy to admit. Yeah, I watch soap operas, but like you know, right. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah. I think, I think 
um, I know for me that was, you know, that's not, I don't, I don't get annoyed by that at all. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that there were people who tuned in and, you know, enjoyed what we were, what we were doing, you know, the whole purpose in, you know, us doing these performances and being on these shows is, is so that the people who are watching it get some sort of enjoyment, um, out of it or even perhaps help them. You know, I think sometimes these stories, um, you know, I've heard, I've heard situations where people have watched their soap operas and it's helped them get through a really hard time. Um, I've heard it be something where a lesson that was taught on the show also helped them in real life. Um, there's all sorts of things that I've, I've heard through people and how, you know, it's affected their lives. And I think that's pretty cool. Cause I mean, I don't know how, how often do you get to do the thing that you enjoy doing, get paid to do it. And then on top of that, maybe even help some people along the way. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. And also, you know, you are a writer and you're also, um, really good friends with Jessica Morris and you have a movie that's going to premiere Twisted Little Lies. It premieres this Friday on the LMN network. Um, yes. (laughs) Tell me how the, how the write, like how do you guys hooked up and like started being partners and like writing and stuff? Like how did that come about? What's the embryonic stages of that? So basically Jess and I met on the show, um, in, I think it was, uh, 2000. Yeah. 2001. She had been just a little bit, longer like maybe six months or so than me and um we became we became fast friends it was it was a very very instantaneous um connection and um you know it's kind of one of those cool stories of yes we were friends on the show or you know friends not our characters weren't friends on the show, but we were friends, Mm -hmm. um (laughs) uh, working on the show and um and then when she left and went back to LA you know, it, it, we didn't obviously talk as frequently as we did when we were living, you know, two blocks away from one another. But, um, and also, by the way, we were dressing roommates for a very long time, too. So <laughs> we definitely were, like, we were attached at the hip. Um, so, but, you know, we still kept in touch. And then when I came back to L.A., um, we were able to reconnect on that hanging out level. And it just, you know, it's just always been a very unique and special friendship um and when we decided to do the writing you know it started out as a complete joke um (laughs) literally neither none we had no intention of actually being writers I think at that point in our lives it was just kind of like this oh something was said and oh that would be a great story and then it just kind of turned into this thing and um after uh you know gosh, I don't know how long it took us, maybe six months, I don't know, hanging out by the pool and having margaritas and wine and <laughs> figuring out how to um, make a story that we've never done in our lives. We created this uh, very entangled um, story. It was an ensemble story uh, that just, it didn't, it didn't quite, it needed, it needed some tender, loving care. Uh, we did a, our, our first table read with some awesome people who volunteered their time and <laughs> we loved them very much for that. <laughs> and, but it was great because we got to hear, we got to hear it out loud. We got to see where some of the, the holes were and, and where certain things needed to connect better and where th- some things might've been a little convoluted. And, um, and that gave us some time to kind of, you know, rework it. And then uh, a couple years later, um, we decided to pitch it to a production company that we knew, um, 
that Jess had worked with before um, in acting. And so we were just like, we knew that they were kind of wanting to do some Lifetime-esque type things. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe this would be something we could um, rework completely and kind of make more of the kind of TV movie style. Uh, they liked the idea, so we rewrote it. And then from there, there were several different distributors that got involved and then things fell through. So we've rewritten it probably a thousand times at this point. (laughs) Maybe not a thousand, but it feels like a thousand. Uh, So the versions have definitely changed and um, lots has changed to it um, to to make it become what it is today, which is Twisted Little Eyes. Um, But yeah, we finally, I guess it was like, it's been eight years I think when we first started this project so it's finally um not only made this year but going to air so it's pretty pretty awesome and it's actually going to go on the um the 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 network we were hoping it was going to go on first so (laughs) that that worked out perfectly (laughs) how was it like going from pen to paper to paper to actually television like how was that like not seeing your baby get in there like how how's that feeling for you guys Oh, to finally see it? Yes. Um, I, I'm excited. I'm a little, I'm not going to lie, I'm nervous because um, it's our, so it's our first work that we did. We've done several things since then, and um, and I think we've grown in our writing, obviously, like, over time. So I'm always a little bit nervous about the first piece, you know? Um, also, just, I don't know, there's so many aspects to it because I haven't seen it yet, so it's okay. coming out and it's premiere for me too so <laughs> I was like I don't know I'm telling everybody to watch it I hope it's good <laughs> but um but I'm like that you know with anything I do so um so I'm excited but I'm, I'm certainly you know I've got the I got the jitters a little bit but um you know no matter what we set out to do something um we had an intention and you know we kind of kept pressing with it and and then it happened and honestly like you know, taking in those moments to be able to be like, wow, we actually wrote something and it's going air like this. We're, you know, this is happening. (laughs) That's a big accomplishment. And it's really easy to just be like, oh yeah, okay, well next one. And I think, I think sometimes, you know, we all have to take that moment to to be like, no, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, and I think that, um, I certainly think that we, um, we, I got, we got very lucky, I think with each other because, you know, Jess and I have slightly different styles of writing, but we have found this really great groove mm-hmm. of how we like to write together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think there was a period of time where we probably bought heads a little bit more because, um, we're, we're stubborn and we are very like, we know what we want, but we also learned how to um, I guess we just, we, we learned how to work with each other in a way where it's like, okay, I get it. I like what you're doing or, you know, vice versa so that we were able to really come up with some, um, awesome, uh, stuff in our, in our writing career. And I, I just, I think that it's not just the actual writing that's so cool about it. It's that process. Mm-hmm. And, um, I found that, you know, of course in the very beginning we were doing it, you know, right next to each other all the time. And then we learned how to obviously do it, um, 
being, uh, you know, in different, different places. Um, but we just, I don't know, it's a really nice thing to be able to groove that well with someone. And I mean, we can literally sit down. If someone says, Hey, we want you to write blah, blah, blah. We can sit down for a good hour and get out, you know, all the different things that we need to get out, um, and get together, you know, our, our, um, outline and everything ready for a treatment within, you know, an hour or two hours and, um, between each other, just getting, you know, A, B and C done. And then, um, moving from there and we, we kind of delegate. So sometimes depending on what it is that we're doing, if there's like a particular part of the project that we, we kind of, we have this, like, I really want to write this scene, then, you know, that person will write that scene, but we kind of break it into acts or however it is, whatever it is we're writing for and it's kind of nice. Like, there's just something really cool about going back and forth that way. But the other thing I like about it is um, I'm a big collaborator person. I really like um, when people, when when there's work done that's, that's um, created by multiple. I think that there's something, um, it's kind of like a choir, you know, like a singer is really awesome. But hearing a whole choir is like, wow, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of feel that way about any project because I think... Um, everyone brings value mm-hmm. and different perspective. And that, and especially when you're talking about characters and all the different intricacies, when I don't think of something, she thinks of something when she doesn't think of something, I think of something. So we're able to both like really, um, you know, put that, that final piece together where the puzzle, like, you know, it just fits like a puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, I think probably what I, I love about our process the most yeah and it's 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 great because you know you have like the hallmark movie channel where there's a they're cranking out movies left and right left and right same thing with the lifetime movie network lifetime itself like they're cranking out Mm -hmm. stories and movies and whatnot so um there's like there's like so many like the movies itself on lifetime there's like uh seduced affairs or teachers or whatnot like everything is like twisted and like fatal attraction type stuff you know it's always like kind of like glossy and like you know yeah yeah yeah. and is that something like writing your writing style is that something you're attracted to like with the whole deceits and lies and like affairs with well, I think, I think it depends, you know, yeah. it also it depends on the genre you're writing for. So Lifetime, that is their kind of, um, I mean, not all of Lifetime, but I think especially in the element stuff, there's, it's definitely more thriller-esque and a little, you know, edgier yes. in certain ways. And so I feel like, um, I feel like that's something we are really good at writing. Like I think she and I excel at drama. Um, and I think that life is dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think if you honestly, if you are able to take one or two things in real life, you can, you can turn that into, um, you know, life, life has a lot of material, yeah. <laughs> so, even if you have to make it slightly more dramatic or slightly more, you know, whatever for, for the effect of TV, um, you are still taking something that's very real and sometimes life can actually be more dramatic and maybe you have to dial it back. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, again, depending on who you're writing for and what you're writing for. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I've never written comedy. Um, so I can't say if I would even be good at it. Mm-hmm. I'm not the best joke teller. Um, I like to perform comedy, but I, I'm not a great, like, joke teller so i feel like i probably wouldn't be a great 
writer <laughs> in it and was like like went really slow yeah. and um didn't have to think off the cuff at all um <laughs> had to really plot out my comedy delivery <laughs> cannot just come out of nowhere um or it's completely by accident and then i'll just claim it as 100 percent i meant to do it yeah. um <laughs> that's usually when i'm funny i'm 100 percent by accident um is your passion for acting is equal to your passion for writing um, yeah, I think my, my passion in the last several years has just kind of been a little all over. Um, I think I'm, I'm redefining what I want in my life. Um, I love acting. Um, I, I think that'll always be something that's a part of me. Um, but I think I've found that there's other things that I'm, I'm very attracted to in the creative side. And one of those, a large part of that is writing, um, you know, I like writing scripts, but I also like writing blogs. I've written a book. Like, there's just things that I'm uh, drawn to in that. And I think a lot of it, too, is just because there's a lot of, um, you know, personal experience that I've had that I want to, uh, you know, process. And I think I do it well through writing. And I articulate everything much better in writing. I have a very hard time... Um, speaking for as much as I can talk um (laughs) I have a very hard time speaking when I have to um put a lot of depth um and thought into something because I think I get a little self-conscious um but when I'm writing it just flows so yeah um are are you gonna collaborate I know you guys have been collaborating together I guess you guys went to Chicago recently right not so long ago Together? Yeah, that's where we filmed yes. uh, Sister Little Eyes. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, are you guys going to collaborate again in the future, or you got more stuff absolutely. coming up? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're, we're definitely going to do more projects. Um, I don't know when, but that's, you know, that's something we've, we definitely want to do. Um, you know, and I think, um, I think there's going to be projects I'm sure we do on our own as well. Cause I think both of us have gotten that bug now that we've been, we've done it a few times, um, together where we're like, this is pretty fun. So we, we kind of like doing, um, we just kind of like doing it. So we like doing it together. We also like doing it by ourselves. So I think, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a new discovery about our, our own selves. I also learned that, um, I've had this like itch to learn, how to direct and while I still I still don't I don't have like um you know I don't have any I haven't, don't have any experience in it just like a little bit of stuff like you know stage stuff but um I I've definitely been very curious about that and trying to learn more and study on that so that I can you know, maybe have an opportunity one day to give it a try. You know, I might do it one day and think, uh, uh-uh, this is not for me, but I have to feel like I'm really going to like it. Oh, well, I, I, I think if you put your mind to it, you pretty much could do anything and, you know, look where your writing has taken you now, you know, which, yeah. you know, with this coming out, you know, Friday, um, Twisted Little Lies, um, it's gonna, it's gonna get a lot of people watching, you know, so if people was like, yeah. oh my God, you know, let's see, you know, she's a good actress, but let's see what she can write, you know, then, you know, I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of people, especially from the soap opera world are gonna watch this and I'm sure it's gonna blow the ratings off the roof with this. Uh-huh. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope it's the way they like her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm saying somebody for me because I don't have cable anymore. Like I was trying to look. Is I, I think is an oh. app on Discovery Plus, isn't it? 
I don't know, but I think actually it might be on the regular Lifetime app. Oh, okay, okay. I say this only because Brittany Underwood posted something about her movie that's on LMN, and I saw that she said if you don't have cable that you could get it on the Lifetime app. And she said not the not the movie club one, but the other one. The regular one. Oh, okay. So for people who who don't have cable like myself, they can get the Lifetime movie app and I guess it will pop up there at midnight, like after it shows on I guess the I think I believe it shows at um seven o'clock central time, eight o'clock eastern. It might be there like yeah. the next day probably right on there, right? Yeah, don't don't quote that as like that's what you can do. I'm just saying that's what I read on her post. Okay. Her movie, so I'm thinking maybe it could be the same for ours, um, if because if if the if the regular Lifetime movie app has the element stuff on it as well, then yeah, you'll be able to watch it. Okay, okay. Um, I would think anyway. Yeah, kind of so cool, but I think. <laughs> no, no, it's fine because there's there's ways to watch it besides having cable. Because I know a lot of people don't have cable nowadays, so I know there's other right. ways to watch it. You know, because yeah, I'm sure there's something somewhere, and I know that like the one awesome thing about lifetime is that they repeat um shows so if someone doesn't catch it or didn't get a chance to record it or couldn't find it on the app i'm sure it'll pop up at some other point because they usually replay it several times so um that's the the groovy part oh that's awesome um a question off the subject because like I, I i'm curious about this i don't know if you've been asked before but when general hospital brought the one life to live actors um, you know, with Michael Easton, Roger Howard, for whatnot, like your name kept being mentioned a lot and your picture kept being shown. Was you in negotiations to come to General Hospital or they just did that just to do that? I wasn't. I had not been contacted by General Hospital. Um, however, wow, okay. Um, I think there have been, uh, I think there, I, what I think is that that was a, a thing that they might have been looking into. Uh, but it all seemed to have fallen around the time I think that Prospect Park yes. decided to go ahead and move forward with One Life to Live on Hulu. Yeah. And so, um, and since I hadn't been contacted about the other, I, I went ahead and did the Prospect Park one. And I have a feeling that that might be why it didn't ever pan out because I think pretty much any of us who did that one didn't do the other one and, you know, whatever. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm, I kind of think that might have been it. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, that, that's more rumor, so. Okay. And, and and to go on that, how was that Prospect Park experience like for you? It was interesting. Uh, I really, there were things that I really liked about what they were doing. Um, you know, I respected that they were trying to, you know, recreate the same sets and, um, you know, all of that. I think where there might have been, um, where things maybe could have been done better, um, there was a couple of things. So if they were going to keep it in the soap aspect and, and, and all of that, then I think they may have, you know, the, the choice to go into the, like the curse words and making it that much edgier. I totally understood why they wanted to do it. And there was even a part of me that liked that idea, but I think it turned off the audience that we had because our audience that we had wasn't really into that. Um, so I think it just, it kind of took away a little bit from what they were used to. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I feel like um, what we what would have probably benefited us because of the platform is if we, pardon me, if we had um, done it in more of a um, a normal uh, how a primetime show on Hulu would would be because people binge watch, but when you're having to binge watch and you've got 
you know, five episodes of One Life and then five episodes of All My Children, or well, maybe it was four, um, yeah. because with the Friday different. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, there you know that's a lot of time that they're spending binge watching, and that's how people watch on these platforms. You know, I, I mean they they probably do still even with cable if they're recording, but most uh, most watch of um, online platforms is definitely a binge watch kind of thing. So you're 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 talking about having people commit to that much time. But if we had done it more like um, spend a little more money on each episode to make it even more primetime feel, um, make the storyline more, um, you know, uh, one episode has, uh, it kind of covers a little bit more. So you're not having to do like a repeat, repeat, repeat on daily basis. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think if we'd done it that way, I think we would have probably had a little more success. That's, that's my personal opinion. doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah. Um, I think when, um, you know, they, there was a lot they were trying to, they were trying to do the same things that they had, that we were doing on the show before, but then there was a lot of, like, things that I think um, caused that to, to fall under. Um, and then they, you know, went bankrupt, so um, so then it was done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was an experience for what it was, you know, and, you know, it led... You know, having soap operas on that led to, like, other things happening, you know, with other series and whatnot. So, it was, like, the embryonic stages, to be honest with you. It was really just starting up, you know. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm happy that someone tried. And I think that was a really cool – I think it was just a really cool way to, um, you know, try to move into something that was – more current, you know, and I think that was something that Soaps was going to have to do at some point, mm-hmm. um, you know, in order to to survive. And and I and I think that you know they still they still can. Um, I mean, right now, I, I mean, I don't think anybody's you know hurting that bad. But I'm saying, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the future, at some point, there's going to be um, there, that might be a solution. Now, granted, it, it probably doesn't matter now because all of the networks have apps and stuff. I mean, back then. I don't even I don't even know if that was a thing yet. Um, it feels like everything. It feels like all these apps just really came out in the last few years. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they've been there for forever. But um, uh, but yeah. So I think I think that's one of the things that would have been great uh, had we known that and had you know, Prospect Park known that. But I, I, you know, everybody was experimenting. This was a very new thing for for that genre to do. And um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was it was good for what it was and like now is like I think like it, it like it, with the Netflix and the Amazons now like you know, soap opera definitely could come back to something like a streaming service like that as well now, but you know, who knows what the future holds, especially with all like you said all these apps, there's apps and shows continuing to come out, so. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the the thing that's hard to do with anything when you're talking about um, that genre, right? Like, yeah. it was originally created to sell soap. That's why it's called a soap, soap opera. Yeah. And it was targeted for, you know, women who, because women stayed at home. And so there was, there was, and, and it was, it was set out to do this daily thing and um, it was stretched out so that if, you know, the person, who was watching went into the other room to get the laundry out or had to go take care of something or missed an episode that they could come back the next day and they could still feel like they didn't really miss anything. And, and they could, you know, kind of keep going and keep this, 
keep this alive. And then it got people very, uh, very excited about it. And there was the cliffhangers and, you know, there you are decades later <laughs> and it's still going. Yeah. Um, but as time has changed, you don't have women who are just staying at home anymore. You do have some, but not, not to the degree that it was back then when it was, everyone did. Um, and you have multiple ways of watching and you have a gajillion more channels and subscriptions and things and besides channels now you have uh, all the online platforms with all the content that they carry so um it, it definitely causes you know quite a bit of competition and um you know and so what what could be a way that soaps could um could evolve i think is to kind of form into um more of like a you know, kind of make it, make it like a, a primetime show. I mean, if you look at all the primetime shows anyway, any of the dramas, they are soap operas. Mm-hmm. They're just a bigger bit. Um, and they're, they're instead of having a stretched out storyline day per day per day for every week, it's, you know, condensed in one episode, um, which gives you a lot more impact and a lot more, Ooh, you know, in one episode. And then, you know, you have to wait a whole week. So it gives you that, ah, wait. And, <laughs> That's true. Build up is good, no? Yep, that's true. So, um, yeah, and then when people binge watch it too, like that's um, that's the other, you know, the value of it on these other platforms is if you you know have less episodes, you're more likely to get people to binge watch. You yeah. know. Yep. So, um, I don't know. So that's that's like you know that's my brilliant thought. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, television. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) uh, winding down, Melissa, um, what's next for you? Um, well, I've been working on this project, uh, Trailblazers, and, um, I can't really say a whole lot about it, but that's kind of my, my next thing, and I'm in the process of writing and yet another thing. Uh, so there's a couple things in the works right now. Gotcha, gotcha. And, um, hopefully we can talk about that later on. Um, and my... All right, and my final question for you is, what would the Melissa of today tell the Melissa of yesterday? Mm, I would probably tell the Melissa of yesterday to relax. (laughs) (laughs) Take a chill pill. (laughs) Can we all just relax? I understand that completely. A (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah, I think that would probably be the, the biggest uh, piece of advice I could give that girl. Oh. <laughs> All right, and Twisted Little Lies premieres this Friday on the Lifetime Movie Network with Jessica Morris, Yvonne Liu, Hao Feng, and yourself. And um, you also the writer on it, and one of the writers, correct? Right, one of the writers? Yep. And um, if they can't see it on cable, they can find it on the app. And um, best of luck to you. And um, I can't wait to see how how the reviews come out. And hopefully on to the next one, on to the next job, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you, Melissa. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.